We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye hitting you with a little trade episode before we get into February. Quick reminder, you can find the Buzz on all streaming platforms. Subscribe, review, do whatever you can to help the Buzz. But getting into this trade season, I think before we jump into the rumors and speculation, kind of looking at where the Nets are at, 17-24, and 24, currently the 11th seed in the Eastern Conference, one game behind the Atlanta Hawks for the 10th seed and a play-in spot. Um, overall, it's been a very disappointing season for the Nets. I think we expected them to probably hover around 500 most of the year. Obviously, you know, the first two weeks went probably a little bit better than expected. Kind of changed expectations. They came down to earth. You know, I think the early on three-point shooting was a little bit of an outlier. Now we're seeing the opposite level of an outlier with guys shooting worse. Um, so, you know, it's really hard to gauge this team right now. Uh, Mikel Bridges not playing well. Cam Johnson, Spencer Dinwiddie not playing well. Claxton has been a little hot and cold. Seems like he's starting to trend in the right direction. His rebounding has been really strong over the course of the last you know couple weeks. Cam Thomas has obviously showcased an elite ability to score the basketball. It's more so uh, Jacques Vaughn's decision to play him and not play him and take him out of the starting lineup, put him to the bench, whatever it is. You know, I think in obviously uh, Vaughn himself is, you know, Probably had had a pretty good start to the season. I think guys were buying in. He was making a lot of the right moves. And then after an injury or two, he just started to revert back to his old ways. You know, not playing Cam Thomas, making poor decisions. Kind of being hypocritical, too, because he's talked a lot about, you know, players earning their minutes and, you know, basing things off performance. Yet we're seeing guys play poorly and still, you know, have a high allocation of minutes. So overall... You know, can't really be happy where the Nets are at right now. And as many fans have mentioned, you know, it's been all over the place in terms of direction. You know, we're not sure if they're developing young talent because they're not playing Cam Thomas. They aren't playing Jalen Wilson. Noah Clowney spent most of his time in the G League, you know, and they're electing to play older guys and necessarily, you know, not give some of these young guys great opportunities. And they're also making bad decisions late in games in terms of coaching that, make you unsure of how serious they are in terms of being competitive so it's a it's a little bit of the worst of everything you know (laughs) they're not fully developing young guys they're not winning games they don't really have you know 
a chance to do anything special this season. So I think that's why a lot of fans are looking towards a trade deadline and you know what could happen because there's a lot of different possibilities. And I think also it could give the Nets a lot stronger idea of where they need to go in the short term. You know, I think in the long term there's you know, they're looking to hold on to their picks, at least their own picks, and you know, maybe cash out on you know, the later picks in which we'll talk about in a second. But right now it's, you know, what what's really going on with this team this year, it feels somewhat of a waste. And you never want to waste an NBA season. You know, we've seen the Nets do that in the past, but they had Kevin Durant returning the next year. So that obviously changes things. There's no Kevin Durant returning for the 24-25 Nets. There's probably not a superstar coming in that door so it's important for them to make something out of this year even if it's to gather more assets and develop a couple young players into stars or starters or even role players so you know I think that's where we're at right now is kind of using hoping that Sean Marks or whoever's the GM at the time you know who knows about the future of you know his time in Brooklyn uh, you know what the Nets decide to do and where they end up and can we really be like, all right, wow, they, they really took a strong step in that direction to do this thing. So we'll see how it all plays out. But before we get into the trade rumors and speculation still, I think it's important to kind of look at the draft picks in which the Nets have over the course of the next five to six years. You know, obviously it's a little complicated given that they traded so many picks to Houston, including swaps. And then obviously they had a lot of picks come back in the KD and Kyrie trade. So a quick review of that. Uh, 2024, Houston owns the Nets' first-round pick. 2025, Houston has the right to swap with the Nets' first-round pick. And the Nets also own Phoenix's first-round pick. In 2026, Houston owns the Nets' first-round pick outright. In 2027, Houston has the right to swap with Brooklyn once again in the first round. And the Nets have potentially a Philadelphia pick in the first round. It's heavily protected. You know, Philly has it protected one through eight. Then there's also some connections to OKC as well with that pick. So who knows what will really happen with that 2027 Philly pick. And then the Nets have the Phoenix Suns first round pick in 2027 on protected. 2028, the Nets have the right to swap with Phoenix in the first round, meaning they have their own first round pick again. And they also have the right to swap with Phoenix. Uh, that Philly pick could potentially turn over in 2028 Again, not going to get into all of the protections and different things with that pick. Uh, 2029 is really where the Nets have a nice little treasure chest. They have their own pick. They have the Suns pick. And they also have the Dallas Mavericks first round pick all on protected. So, you know, looking at these picks going from top to bottom, you know, I think you can't really say, oh, this pick is going to be so much better than that pick. I think you're looking at it from an upside perspective. And I think upside wise, you instantly go to 2029 because it's a mystery. You know, who knows what will happen with Phoenix. They've shipped out a lot of young picks, young players, and Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal could all be gone by then. You know, a KD will probably be retired by then. The other guys could be demanding a trade or whatever it is. And you look the same thing in Dallas with uh, Luka and Kyrie. Who knows what's going to happen with those two, how long that's going to kind of play out. So I think those are probably your two most valuable picks. The 2028 swap is pretty valuable as well, just given who knows what will happen with Phoenix at that point. The same, you know, same issues for them, you know, Booker, KD, Beal, no young players. They could all be in trouble by 2028. You get down the list. I think the 2027 Phoenix pick has a chance to do something. And even with those guys still on the team, there's a chance that health-wise, they're not 100%. You know, you know, we don't wish injury on anyone, but they've all missed substantial time in their career. You know, that could all happen at the wrong time. And next thing you know, they're a 500 team, missed the playoffs, and that's end up with a lottery pick in 2027 and even potentially 2025. So I think, you know, looking at 
the picks in general, the 2029 picks are in 2028 picks are substantially more valuable than the rest. But the other ones have some low key value. I think the only pick you look at in this situation, you're like, eh, who really cares is that Philadelphia pick. You know, that's a pick that who knows if it'll ever turn into a first. It could turn into a second. Whatever it is, we don't really know at this point in time. So I think draft pick wise in the short term, that's aren't in a great spot. But in the long term, you know, after 2028, that's when things start really looking good for Brooklyn. They have that swap. Then in 2029, they have just a lot of things they can move into different directions. And I think it's important to probably not touch any of that 2029 stuff with this current team because there's nothing that they could potentially do this year that would turn them into a contender. You know, unless one of the top five best players in the NBA requests a trade and they want to come to Brooklyn, you should not touch those picks until you have a clear identity and you're at least maybe one to two moves away from a championship. This Nets team, you know, a huge substantial move in terms of landing a superstar and then also probably landing a second star. You know, I think they would have to, you know, I don't think Mikel Bridges is a number two option. I think he's more of a number three option. And, you know, that's no shots at him. That's still a really good player. Maybe Cam Thomas can develop one of those guys, but we'll see. We don't really know. And that's why you don't want to touch you know, your money makers, your, your big ticket items until you know what's going on. You don't want to put that big bet down until you're really confident in what you have. And the Nets truly can't be confident in what they have. And that's what they're really trying to figure out the rest of this year, 2025 and whatever it is moving forward, because there also is an off chance that all these picks I just talked about aren't super valuable. You know, maybe Devin Booker stays in Phoenix. Maybe they find another guy that comes in and they're still winning games. And all of a sudden this is a, a mediocre pick to a late first round pick. So it's all a game. It's all all draft picks is, is really just another form of betting because first round picks don't mean anything. Lottery picks don't really mean anything. You have to draft the right guy. You have to develop them and they have to do their part too and develop into that player. You know, given the nets, we've seen it go both ways where guys haven't necessarily taken taken the right steps to be that great player, but we've also seen them put players in positions where they're not at their best and able to succeed and able to go through growing pain. So I think really interesting discussion when it comes to the draft picks and how valuable they can be because, you know, you always hear from anyone, well, you know, this guy, you know, Colin Jokic was drafted in the second round, you know, Jimmy Butler, Dermon Green, like those guys don't come around. Like a second round pick you're happy with is probably Jalen Wilson because he's going to turn into a good role player. So I think being realistic with these picks is important as well. But again, moving on from the picks, the net situation cap-wise, uh, via Spotrack, they are about $8 million under the luxury tax. Uh, again, this is not going to be a winning season, so don't be surprised if the Nets look to save a little bit more money uh, this year, next year, whatever it is, until they really get into that competitive mindset. And now looking at kind of speculation with this team and you know what we anticipate going on, there's been three names that have been heavily active in trade rumors for the Nets pretty much you know, since last deadline, you know, even when Spencer Dinwiddie was acquired by the Nets, there was a chance he might be shipped off to another team. You know, there's talks of Toronto at that time. I don't know what it is now. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith and also Royce O'Neal were heavily talked about in trade rumors at that point and also at the draft. And now the speculation kind of continues. So getting into each guy and kind of where their value is and who's been interested, I think we'll start with Dorian Finney-Smith because he's been in terms of the most valuable target for a lot of contenders because of what he can provide defensively that versatility really able to defend two through four 
pretty well and, you know, can defend some one and fives in some small ball lineups. Uh, is on a great contract. You know, he's making a, just under 14 this year. We'll make around 15 next year. Does have a player option in 2025, but that's a great value for a guy that could be your fifth or fourth starter and play closing minutes in a, a playoff matchup. So I think, you know, the Nets at minimum are looking for a first round pick for Dorian Finney-Smith. I think they ideally want two first round picks and maybe they'd be willing to take some bad money back in return. If not, I think you you acquire one solid first-round pick and maybe take back an expiring contract or a young player that potentially has some upside. Maybe a guy that hasn't really popped off with his first team, and you know maybe it has to become a three-team deal, or maybe you're you know you're settling for a good first and multiple seconds in an expiring. Whatever it is, I think the Nets should definitely be able to acquire a pretty good first round pick for Dorian Finney-Smith given what he's still been able to do this season and what he can provide a championship team. Uh, Royce O'Neal, you know, expiring 9.5 million. You know, I think the Nets would be really happy to get a first round pick for Royce O'Neal. I'm not sure if that'll be the case, especially given he's expiring. He's more of a bench player. You wouldn't necessarily want him in your closing lineup, but he definitely could close playoff games. Also provides a level of versatility offensively and defensively. I don't think any of his skills are super elite or great, but they're also good enough to be passable in a lot of different situations. So I think the Nets for him are looking maybe for a young player with upside and some second-round picks. Uh, you know, I could see them settling for multiple second-round picks and that really being it. Who knows? But I think both of these guys have a pretty strong chance of being moved just because, as I've mentioned, you know, a guy like Jalen Wilson is in the waiting. They also have a lot of wings. They have a lot of young guys they need to play. They need to get you know opportunities out there on the court. And that leads to Spencer Dinwiddie, who... You know, we've seen the reports. We saw the tweet that didn't what he liked on Twitter. Things are not going well. You know, the contract negotiations between the two, the Nets on an extension, were reportedly disrespectful. Dinwiddie not very happy about that. Also heard some reports that Dinwiddie's not as unhappy with the front office, but more unhappy with Jacques Vaughn and maybe some of his coaching and play style. And also, I think uh, players could definitely be rubbed the wrong way by the way Vaughn handles press conferences and the way that he talks negatively about his own team. Uh, not something I'm super fond of in terms of if I was a player or if I was part of the organization or ownership. I don't think you want to say negative things about your team. I think you can say positive things and you can be realistic and be objective and say, you know, we need to improve. But, you know, saying things like we don't have any all-stars or guys aren't performing and using this terminology, kind of throwing his team under the bus at times and also not taking accountability for some of the bad decisions that he's made at the end of games. You know, we've talked about him not taking challenges, timeouts, substitution patterns. Uh, I, I personally, would, if, if I was a player, I could see Vaughn, you know, rubbing me the wrong way. So I wouldn't be surprised if most of the roster doesn't like him. It uh, doesn't seem like they're super fond of him, given some of their interactions and comments on that. But again, doesn't make up for Spencer playing so poorly. You know, you, you have an NBA contract, you make $20 million a year, you're expected to play well. He's not playing well. There obviously is a level of disinterest from him on the court at times. Some of it could be related to all different things. But again, $20 million expiring. You know, he isn't going to net you a first-round pick, but maybe he could net you uh, an opportunity to make a trade that you couldn't because of that expiring deal. And a team's like, you know what? We want to get this money off. This is a guy that maybe, you know, we'll take a chance on or we just want to get this guy out of town. And Spencer could be also be part of a bigger deal. You know, DeJounte Murray, there's been a couple teams rumored to them, and we're going to jump to that in a sec after this break. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. 
Twice a week, J.J. Reddick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I also think some names worth mentioning that haven't necessarily been heavily in rumors but could potentially be traded would be someone like a Nick Claxton, you know, obviously expiring contract. Rumors and reports and speculations seem to point to him returning to the Nets this offseason, signing some level of a new deal with Brooklyn, but who really knows and who knows what type of offers could be out there. Also, there's a possibility a team could be interested in a Lonnie Walker or a Dennis Smith Jr. You know, Lonnie could provide a level of scoring punch or someone off the bench. Dennis Smith Jr. could provide you that point of attack defender that just gives you some level of great energy on the floor. So you look at those guys. I don't think Mikel Bridges or Cameron Johnson will be moved. You know, it's always a possibility anybody could be moved, but it seems at this point in time, you know, the Nets are pretty invested in those guys, even given, you know, their poor play and not living necessarily up to the contract in terms of Cam Johnson. But getting over to who's been interested in Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, you look at the Dallas Mavericks, you look at the Los Angeles Lakers, and there's also been a couple rumblings about the OKC Thunder. As mentioned, you know, he can provide a lot of different things. And for those teams it makes a lot of sense to add a guy like that. I mean, DFS has already played in Dallas. So Dallas is very familiar with him. Very good relationship with Luca provides you that defensive versatility. Now you have some different options. You can get creative with lineups down there. What would uh, Dallas send back? I'm not really sure. Um, they have some young players, a recent first-round picks. They could potentially look to move another pick in the future. They have some contracts. Uh, who knows what the Nets are really interested in. 
Would I be super surprised if the Nets had some interest in Grant Williams? Probably not. His minutes have kind of been all over the place for Dallas, and I wouldn't do a swap. You know, obviously for Grant, DFS straight up, you're still looking for a pick in that situation, but maybe they're not happy with the money. DFS can provide those some different things. There's just a lot of different contracts in which Dallas can move, you know, after Luka and Kyrie, a lot of them are pretty movable and around the range of DFS. So see what's up with that team. I think they could be very interested in him. The Lakers, you know, they still have LeBron James. They still have Anthony Davis. They just lost to the Nets last night. They need to make a move. They need to add something to that team. Again, they could look to move a first-round pick. They could look to move Jalen hood Shafino. Uh D'Angelo Russell's been mentioned. I don't think D'Lo is a target of the Nets, but if they had to take him back in a trade, I don't think they'd be super upset about it. Uh, And OKC have 100 first-round picks at this point. They could come up with a great combination without really getting too crazy. Uh, Also, an array of different young players that aren't necessarily part of their core. So I think you look at all in three of those teams, and there's something they could provide the Nets that would be very interesting for them. Uh, Royce O'Neal, you know, we've really only heard the Cavs. We've heard the Lakers and the Suns. I think there's been a little speculation. Again, Royce is not necessarily getting you something great. Isaac Okoro in a second-round pick and whatever filler needs to be in there is a possibility. Uh, The Suns could put together some second-round picks. I saw people bring up Nasir Little. Um, And then, you know, whatever happens with him, the Lakers, as I mentioned, could probably come up with some stuff too. And it also could be, you know, maybe a team is like, you know, we really want to buff up our wings for the playoffs and they look to add DFS and Royce in a combo deal, which I think might be the best case scenario for the Nets because I think that'd be a way for them to almost guarantee two first round picks. You know, I don't think DFS is probably worth two, but he's probably worth one and some change. And maybe Royce is enough change and maybe the Nets have to add some seconds to kind of balance it out, whatever it is. I think that'd be an interesting idea. Uh, as I said with Spencer, you know the teams that have been connected to him have been the Heat, the Lakers, and the Hawks. You know, we already talked about the Lakers. You know, probably could move some picks, D'Lo, whatever it is, or you know they do have, as I mentioned, Jalen Hutchinson. Uh, the Heat, they have some different guys. They probably want to get off of Kyle Lowry and different things like that. Maybe some second round picks for Dinwiddie. And as I said with Clax, there wasn't a ton of interest, but I could see OKC, Golden State, New Orleans, and potentially even the Kings after missing out on Siakam. And I think Clax, even on expiring deal, could net the Nets a first round pick and maybe a little bit more. You know, I think if Clax was committed to that new team in terms of the discussions his agent had with that new team, the Nets could maybe get two first-round picks or a first-round pick and a decent young player. So uh, Claxon is a very interesting guy. And I, again, a lot of it is determined by like, hey, uh, Golden State's going to trade for you and they're going to give you this X amount of money and you're happy about that. So it's really like you're signing a contract extension at the time. But there, it, it's just a handshake deal given you know the contract that Nick, Nick had signed previously. He can't sign an extension. So just some different things. And I think from the Nets perspective, obviously the big name that's been connected to them is DeJounte Murray. You know, just I think hit back-to-back game winners would provide the Nets a lot of different things uh, offensively. You know, a really a point guard that can create and can create advantages for guys, an amplifier for the rest of the team. Not to say that he's some, you know, amazing point guard that's you know led the league in assists or anything like that but he does have the ability to create get downhill i think his three-point shooting has definitely showed improvement in atlanta you know this year he's shooting uh two point he made made 2.3 threes on six attempts at 38 percent from three 
not a bad number. I think you would see, you're starting to see the level of production in which he can have when he's not playing with Trey Young. So maybe that's a, a swing you take, especially if you could get it for something cheap. You know, I think the report now is the Hawks are looking for two first round picks. Well, the Nets could, you know, get them to get down to one first round pick, or maybe they're looking at one of the other role players in the Nets team, or maybe it's a, a Royce O'Neal in there too in a first round pick. You know, they're throwing Spencer, Royce O'Neal, and a decent first round pick. Maybe it gets it done. You know, I think DeJounte obviously just signed a new deal as well, so you feel pretty confident that you can keep him around. I think he would also like the opportunity to lead a team without Trey Young. He's locked up into 26-27. Marks obviously has the connections to San Antonio, can kind of do research on that and see, you know, what the issue is, if that's good or bad or whatever it is. But I think at the right price, you know, DeJounte Murray is the type of guy that you don't mind taking a swing on, you know, 27 years old. And I think there's still upside there. It's just you don't want to overpay and put yourself in a bad position because of, you know, a, a rash move. You know, I think also in an ideal world, maybe you don't touch any of the picks that you have. You trade DFS, Royce O'Neal, Spencer Dooney in some bigger trade, and now you have, you know, the salary able to come in for DeJounte, and also you just acquired enough assets to just send in DeJounte for DeJounte Murray. So if the Nets are walking with the deadline, getting rid of Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Royce O'Neal, and coming back with DeJounte Murray... I think you're probably okay with that. Would it be better if they came back with DeJounte Murray in a first-round pick? Sure. But if they come back with DeJounte Murray, that's probably not a bad thing given the needs of this team uh, and where it all kind of plays out. And obviously, I could probably be swayed and maybe my opinion will change as the weeks progress if the Nets are worse or better or whatever it might be. Also, some other names that have kind of been tied out there. The Nets do move on from Nick Claxton. I think Wendell Carter is a guy that uh, we've had interest in for a long time in terms of Jack and I. just needs to stay healthy. Maybe the Nets can find the right group from him. Jonathan Kaminga, you know, whatever's going on in Golden State, you know, that's always a possibility. Uh, if OKC is trying to truly make some splash move and add a Dorian Finney-Smith and a Nick Claxton, maybe the Nets could try to swing for one of their bigger young players, like a Case and Wallace, the first-round pick this year. We talked about Jalen Hood-Shafino from the Lakers. Isn't getting much play. Needs to develop. The Nets need a future point guard. There it is. So, you know, those are some guys. This is also just a little... No pre-trade episode, Jack and I will jump into a deeper one. Just wanted to get some content out there. You know, Ben, haven't been able to jump on the buzz as much as I've liked to over the course of the last month or two. Uh, but, you know, we'll we'll be digging deep when it gets to the trade stuff and when the Nets really probably dig into a direction and give us some more excitement. I think, again, the Lakers win was exciting, but overall the vibe of the team is still not very high And the fan vibe is not very high in terms of what's going on right now, what to expect. And the excitement around the team isn't there. And we would like to see that come back. A strong trade deadline could do that. And it doesn't even need to be acquiring DeJounte Murray or other players. It could simply be trading off vets, grabbing some first-round picks, letting Cam Thomas cook, letting Jalen Wilson play bigger minutes, getting Noah Clowney up here as well, and you know, just giving us an idea of what we have and some promise for the future. But as always, big thanks to everybody listening to The Buzz, and check us out on all streaming platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire 
to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.